Hey humans, how's it going? Susan Ruth here. Thanks for listening to another episode of Hey Human Podcast. This is episode 308. I had a conversation with Buck Angel. Buck is a trans man, a porn film actor, producer, and sex educator. He's the founder of Buck Angel Entertainment. He has won many awards for his work. He's a documentarian. Uh, He created an award-winning series about trans male sexuality called Sexing the Trans Man Triple X. He also created the world's first collection of sex toys for trans men designed by himself. He uh, is reviled by some in the trans community and lifted up by others. We had a really fascinating conversation and uh, I really appreciate that he took the time to talk to me. Of course, it's important to note that this conversation is a not safe for work conversation. We talk about sex and sexuality, and so just be aware of that. Okay, usual stuff. Social media, Hey Human Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. My personal social media is Susan Ruthism on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can email me, Susan at HeyHumanPodcast.com. Love to hear from you. Do my best to respond to everything in a timely manner, but for sure, I will respond to everything. Go to heyhumanpodcast.com and find the links page. Every guest has a pile of links that I have researched for you, put everything together in one spot so you can just go there and get lots of information about what we talked about, websites, all that kind of social medias for my guests, all that kind of stuff. Also on heyhumanpodcast.com, you will find the store. If you'd like some Hey Human merch go check that out t-shirts hats uh, pen cases tote bags that kind of thing helps support hey human really cute stuff and uh, i think you'll like it check it out you can carry around your own hey human tote bag who doesn't want that (laughs) if you'd like to contribute to hey human help keep her ad free there is a contribute button there on heyhumanpodcast.com Every bit helps, and I really appreciate it. Another great way to support Hey Human is to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It's all about those algorithms, you know, and every time you put in a a review or hit that subscribe button, it really helps out. Uh, Speaking of subscribe, you can subscribe to my YouTube channel under Official Susan Ruth. There are videos on there and various things of music and and a couple interviewee things stuff like that so check that out susanruth.com is where you will find all my other stuff music and art and kind of acting thing and when people interview me i put the interviews up on susanruth.com you can also sign up for the mailing list on there if you dig music and you want to check out my music you can find susan ruth all i ever wanted was everything on all the places that you get music, and I appreciate that too. Okay, let's get into this. Stay safe, be well, take care of each other, be kind. Thank you for listening, and uh, here we go. Buck Angel, welcome to Hey Human. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. It's great to have you here. Uh, we both live in California, but here we are over here. <laughs> we probably live like right next to each other. <laughs> Wouldn't that be funny? Are you, where are you in the- Hollywood, like pretty much like main, 
Hollywood, like Sunset, Sunset and Fairfax area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm uh, over in Santa Monica. So. Oh, okay, yeah. So yeah, really. so it's like two hours in, in LA. I was just gonna say in LA, it's <laughs> like five miles. It takes two hours to get there. Yeah, <laughs> the only time to go is on Sundays. That's when you go see your friends all over the city because there's no traffic <laughs> on Sunday. Sorry about the doorbell. We're trying to get the kid out of the house. It's always a big deal. Trying to get them to the park so I can like just be so they're dealing with that. The doorbell just rang. Sorry if that. Oh no, that's okay. I I didn't even. I thought that was a phone ding. I didn't okay. even. <laughs> right on. Yeah, it's all good. Well, welcome. Glad to have you here. Thank you. Uh, I would love to hear about to start with your background. So where did you grow up? What was family like? Life? Wait, that's backwards and dyslexic. What was family? <laughs> <laughs> that's me. <laughs> I'm totally- Ooh, that came out totally wrong. What was family <laughs> life like? That kind of thing. Well, so I'm 59. I'll be 60 this year. And I transitioned from living as a female to living as a man 29 years ago. Uh, wow. Hold up. I think this might be my anniversary of 30 years. I have to look at that. But April of 29 or so years ago, I transitioned here in Los Angeles when uh, nobody was transitioning. There was not any of this technology. I mean, I think we did have maybe the cell phone. That's that little one that you could only punch numbers and maybe text a little bit, but really no technology. And it was, I was lost. You know, I grew up in the San Fernando Valley. I'm a total native California. And um, I didn't have a bad childhood. A lot of people will think that, you know, I, I didn't. My parents really raised me as Buck on some level. I was a tomboy, which is what we called, you know, I think people like that back. Still, people use that term a more masculine female. And, um, you know, just the typical California surfer, skateboarder, little dude. And I was a little dude. I mean, no one really bothered me. It wasn't, it was kind of weird. I did have a great childhood. I'll tell you that it wasn't until I started really coming into my own and growing into being a female that, you know, sort of all the stuff happened because, you know, you started getting teased at school and I started withdrawing and I was never really good at school. So I got teased for being a dummy. And the only thing that kept me alive on some level was sports. I I really excelled in sports and I became a really uh, excellent runner and sponsored by major companies like Adidas and stuff like that. And really trying to get myself into the Olympics trials and it, it, it just didn't work because I was just not a happy uh, sort of teenager on some level, like 16, 17 was when really stuff started happening. And I became suicidal and I attempted suicide and I got put into a psychiatric ward and I didn't have the terminology that people have today. You know, we didn't talk about trans. We talked maybe a little bit about gay, but not even that. And it was more that, you know, I, I did start becoming a cutter and I, I cut my arms a lot and I, it was all a cry for help really. And looking back on it, but my parents, I mean, I feel bad really a lot for my parents because I was that kid that they were just lost and they didn't have You know, I went to a psychiatrist, even the psychiatrist, you know, just said I was a very masculine woman and nobody could really pinpoint the issues I was having. So eventually I got the opportunity to transition, which was later on in life. And I took it without any 
uh, knowledge or anybody telling me or really, it was a life, honestly, it was a life or death situation for me. It was like, I got to do this or I'm going to kill myself. That was always my mantra. You know, my mantra, even after sort of starting, starting the hormones and the doctor going, I don't know what I'm doing, dude, but (laughs) we're going to do this shit. And I'm like, Oh, he's like, basically called me his guinea pig. And I'm like, well, I don't have a choice either. And, you know, I always would say to myself, if it doesn't work out, I'll kill myself just like normal. You know, if it doesn't work out, I'll kill myself, which is so insane. When I look back, on it and that but that was my comfort that was my sort of comfort blanket that well it's control right that was a means of control when you feel so out of control that's right i mean it actually feels more logical i know when you say it out loud people are like oh my god that's so intense but Mm -hmm. to me that's a logical feeling when everything else around you feels so out of grasp the one thing you have dominion over is yourself that's right totally so yeah now I, i do look at that and i think wow that was my sort of yeah, escape and my way to feel like, you know, if it doesn't work out, no big deal. I'm trying to kill myself already. So <laughs> it's not really. But did you grow up with siblings? Yeah, I have an older sister uh, who went into the military and then eventually into the police force. And, you know, she was 30 plus years uh, female police officer, but she was very, uh, one of the very first in LAPD police uh, space. Yeah. And so, and my younger sister became a businesswoman and did really amazing. My, my dad really raised us on a, on a, on a way to be very, very tough girls. He, you know, we didn't take shit from anybody. <laughs> and as girls, we were those kind of girls that were very rough and tough. And, but both of my sisters are straight. They're very, but they're very type A and very, you know, very, uh, not, I don't know, aggressive, but very, you know, they're more in their masculine energy than their that's feminine. Right. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Do you, when you were young, did you, did, you didn't have a word for it really, I suppose. No. Yeah. Because I'm, I was a tomboy. I only hung out with boys. I liked them better. Girls made were like weird and, nah, totally. and didn't want to do cool stuff that I wanted to do, like jump off a building <laughs> and climb trees and stuff like that. That's right. It's more fun to be a boy. So, so yeah, that, but that doesn't look, you're, you're not trans. Today we're dealing in such a space that um, I have a lot of feelings about because I don't necessarily think just because you're a masculine girl or a feminine boy that you're trans, that's just ridiculous. But I, but I see a push towards that these days. And I see this push to say, you know, you're not a tomboy, you're a trans kid. And that, that actually, as a trans sexual person, it, it, it scares me because this isn't a good journey. I don't, you know, I appreciate the universe gave me the space and I appreciate that I get to be alive. And, but I would not wish this upon anybody. I don't think being trans is a, is a great thing. And I don't think it's trans is beautiful. I think that it's a, you know, a disorder. I have a disorder. I, I believe it as a mental health disorder and I fixed it and I worked through the world. But I think that just to say you're trans now is different than what I am. So trans is an identity now. It, 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 this is not my identity. This is a medical condition I have that I fixed with hormones and surgery. And I, I live my life as a man. I do not live as a trans person. So I'm a little bit concerned today with the youth in this trans space and some taking on a label that doesn't reflect what what I think trans really is. That's interesting. That must make you quite subversive within the community. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm the problematic tranny for sure, <laughs> because I don't care. I, you know, I've, like I said, I have a lot of time under my belt and I'm and I and I would 
not be honest if I didn't speak my mind. And I don't, that's not the kind of person I am. As you know, I started my career in pornography and, you know, that was hard enough. So I, I grew a thick skin because of that. And I've always been pushed against my whole life. So there's no, and just because we have this new sort of media of, of a social media and everybody thinks they can just say things to you. I'm, I'm not on board with that. So I'm on board with being, uh, having integrity and morals and my integrity and morals say, I have to speak up if I see something dangerous happening. Do you think if we lived in a society, and I'm going to go general here across the yeah. board that supported both the masculine and feminine energies in an individual, there would maybe be less of the confusion because I feel like people get put into boxes so easily. Like, oh, you're a tomboy. You must be a lesbian. Oh, you're a, you know, you, you know, whatever you identify in, you have to have like all or nothing vibe over it. Horrible. What a, what a horrible space to first off to put a youngster in, but secondly, to take away from that as a female, right? So females can't celebrate their masculinity. That immediately makes you a trans kid. And, and that, you know, and also, or boys can't play with dolls or like right. or want to paint that, and be creative or cry. Or- <laughs> I mean, that is a dangerous space we're going into. I I, I, I think we're not yeah. understanding. I think we've been there forever. Yeah, it, we have. And it's yes. an interesting pendulum. I think, I, I mean, I hear what you're saying. I have many trans friends now mm-hmm. and I have family members who are trans mm-hmm. and, uh, I think like you, they identify with like something, something wasn't fitting Mm -hmm. my whole life. And now I get to become the the thing that I've always seen myself as regardless of whatever genitalia I was born with. Um, But you're saying you think that people are pushed into space. I'm just trying to, to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying that trans kids don't exist. Of course not. What I'm trying to tell you is that this is a very, 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 very rare space. It is not uh, so common as they're trying to make it seem. And so what I'm what I'm about to tell you is this. I'm different than what's happening today. I have a thing called gender dysphoria. I have been diagnosed by a doctor. I have moved forward through a system. I have, you know, done these steps. Today, we have a thing called transgender, which is an umbrella term for any type of 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 gender variant person we have non-binary i mean i can go on and on these people don't medicalize themselves most of the time they have the identity of trans you see the difference i didn't choose the identity of trans that is i don't even want you to know i'm trans on some level where these people are are identifying as trans and not moving through the system as me we are two different types of trans people and this is what is being mixed up I'm not the same as as that. And so I think I like to distinguish the difference between a medicalized trans, and I call myself transsexual, not transgender, because I'm a medicalized space. I've been diagnosed. I've been moved forward. These kids don't even get diagnoses. They self-ID as trans. I, I find that to be quite dangerous on some level. But at the same time, if you're not going through the medical system, identify as a pink unicorn. I don't care. It's the medical stuff I'm concerned with, with young people trying to make a choice. This is an irreversible space, irreversible. And it's very much something that you have to make sure you're prepared to take on for the rest of your life. I have to shoot testosterone every week. I have to continually, you know, do my masculinization. It's not, I'm not a biological man. I never will be. And I think that um, 
that's where the distinction between these two spaces needs to be put into the world. And like, there's a difference between identifying as trans and having gender dysphoria. When you were young and you were doing things like cutting and all that, what sort of relief did that bring you? Well, it's sort of like, I always like to say pressure. So, you know, when something is building up and it has a lot of pressure and then you poke it and it that's what I kind of felt like. It would, it would release the pressure on some level. And um, speaking with other cutters, same thing, you know, we, that, that there's a very common thread there that we feel like it releases a pressure because it takes the pain off of my brain into my physical space. So I'm, I'm removing the pain in my brain area and putting it into an actual physical space. So I don't have to keep thinking about it. I can just look at this bloody mess that I just made. And that just takes away from the insanity of my brain going, you're not a dude, you're not a dude, you know, like just, yeah, it was, you know, that's why I want people to understand. I have a lot of empathy for the young trans people who are going through that, but I also see something that's happening that has me concerned as an older trans person where this saved my life. And when I start seeing a gigantic group of detransitioning people, mostly young girls, you know, female to male, and most of them in their late teens to early 20s have already had mastectomies, and some of them even had hysterectomies and realize they're not really trans, that has an alarm go off in my head, because that will not only affect the, them, but it affects me. And then the rest of the world sees that and they start to say, well, what about Buck? Is he really trans? Is that really something he should be talking about? It gets people very, oh, believe me, it's a mess out there. And people are using the detransitioners on, as a way to say, see, this isn't real. Yeah, it's weaponized for That's sure. That's right. Like, like everything. Like every, yeah. any well, like anything, so. everything right. and anything anymore is weaponized. Right. Totally. I've read some of the interviews with you and it sounded like you weren't really identifying boy girl left right whatever it was just you were in this body and not even like say when i started thinking about boys and crushing on boys at six or seven yeah. or some crazy young age yeah but you you weren't in really in touch with your body at that point it sounded like no you know i i'd say my very first crush you know was when i was maybe 12 or 13 on another girl like me a very masculine girl and we were like best friends and we we actually ended up fooling around and stuff like that but you know i think that's normal i'm just gonna tell you i just don't see any weirdness in that that's just completely completely normal. No, I think yeah. kids do that totally. boy or girl. It doesn't matter. I don't think they even matter. sexualize it. I think it's experimentation. Something that's right. Good. That's right. kind of like when you see little children ras masturbating, they don't have a concept of, no. Oh, I'm masturbating right now. They're that's just, right. Oh, that feels good. That's right. It's like a scratch. You can't, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, this shit feels good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I'm going to get totally. some, I'm going to get letters on that one probably, but it's true. <laughs> I think that's true. Having nanny plenty of kids. It's like, yeah. oh, they do that. You're like, okay, maybe we do that in your private space. Yeah, so that, you, know. I, you know, don't discourage it. I, mean, no, no, no. I, I don't think it's cool to discourage masturbation. It's I don't either. Yeah. Part of, of, I'm of masturbating right now. <laughs> right on. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> so, you know, it's a hard space I'm in as a trans person as an older trans person because I'm sort of in the middle a lot of the conversation I don't necessarily think uh 
kids should be taking medications at nine and 10. You know, I, I think we're, we're, we're willy nilling it on some level and just saying, if a kid says they're trans, we're immediately pu- pushing them into this space. And I also don't like labeling these kids as trans kids. I would say they're dysphoric kids, most definitely, but are, they could grow out. We, we've done studies. You see many kids desist or grow out of this at some level. And I just recently put a, um, a question on my, tw- on my Twitter I saw that blew up. Like I was, you know, I just randomly throw stuff out there because I like, I like conversation and I like to think about things in a deeper level. And, you know, it was when I asked women, like, did you grow up as a masculine tomboy woman? And if you did, you know, can you tell me about, uh, did you grow out of it or whatever? And, 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 or else I, cause I feel like you would have been sort of fast tracked to be a trans kid today. And Oh, I got 27,000 likes in like a week and like to 2700 comments you should read them they are fascinating amazing beautiful lovely because what this will do is it'll show a kid you know to me like a kid is might be struggling with their identity right now and they're a very masculine girl and does that make me trans no it doesn't necessarily make you trans you know and you read these stories of these women who grew out of their very you know some of them grew up to be lesbians or you know and that's the other thing i'm concerned with are we transing a child that could just be a gay kid you know a gay person and we need to be more delicate around this and less fast and pushing i feel like the venn diagram of of sexuality and gender is just so massive at this point that's right that's right totally and we, we mix them up a lot of times too you know that so uh i just think kids you know i have a kid i have a nine-year-old i'm around him constantly I'm around a bunch of kids i coach soccer i'm around kids i see them i don't it's not like i'm just making shit up for my own self you know i see kid even some of his my son's friends are trans and so what does that even mean right so i'm all about social transitioning that's what my parents did they social transitioned to me they didn't give me drugs they didn't give me hormones they didn't do any of that they just let me be buck and it was very healthy you know it's the puberty that does cause all of us not just trans people all of us hell hell oh, puberty makes you puberty makes you crazy for sure <laughs> crazy so yeah. you know the fact that they're saying these kids are going through puberty and we have to block their puberty or they're going to be all distressed well come on man that that's not necessarily true and i think really- for for people that are and this again this conjecture i'm not trans mm-hmm. so i all i can use is conjecture but mm-hmm. uh that that identifying as women, people that are born with the male genitalia and the male body morphic, mm-hmm. that for them, if they go through puberty, it's going to be much harder, right, for them to be passing later in That's life. What they say, but I can tell you that there's a lot of trans friends I have that look amazing, beautiful, lovely. They went through all of it. They said that they would have never taken puberty blockers. Uh, on some level, our struggle is real. And on some level, I believe struggle does create you to be a certain kind of person. And if your whole life is without struggle, I think that could be quite dangerous. But more f- important for me is, is that struggle less important than cutting off breasts and giving hysterectomies to a young girl who may be less than 20 years old, is it more important for them to have that done or for them to struggle? And so, and the struggle is just dealing with the breasts or walking the world looking female, right? You can cut your hair, you can wear boys clothes, you can do all those things which are reversible. Oh, sure. I got called boy my whole life. People from the back always thought when I had short hair, people always thought I was because I'm quite tall, quite thin. Mm -hmm. Right, right. You know, yeah, it happens to, you know, a lot of people and you get to, but is that 
did it make you like freak out for the rest of your life? No, but could no. it make a trance? Well, you know, I did deal with that stuff and it wasn't easy. And I was called, you know, a freak and weirdo because I was a girl dressing and being a boy. And I did get, but I, I, I will tell you that that struggle on some level made me who I am today. So struggle on some level is important, but I think besides that, I'm all a huge mental health care advocate. And I think we've taken that off the table in the trans community. Many people don't know that you don't have to go to therapy anymore. You can just identify as trans and be pushed through this system. Well, it depends on your state. They might need right. transitioned in Washington state. So she, they required her to go through much, much therapy, wonderfully Thank loving God. supportive parents who were with God. her every step of the way and all that kind of stuff. As I well. know. And, and in every state, they have something called affirmative therapy. Her parents were smart. They sent her to an actual therapist. That's not an affirmation therapist. An affirmation therapist doesn't push back on you. It mm -hmm. affirms your, 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 it affirms you when you say you're trans that I don't believe in that because therapy is a place where you start to sort of figure yourself out. That's what therapy is about. If your therapist isn't pushing on you, my therapist, pushed on me. Are you sure? Are you not just a gay woman? Let's talk about, we talked about so many things in my life. And then until we really realized, no, I really do. So I, I, you know, therapy is, can be, can be great, but it could also not necessarily be an awesome thing. If you have a therapist who's not pushing back and understanding, but thank God your friend went through that system because uh, it's my niece. Yeah. Oh, yeah. excellent. excellent. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. I, the thing too, I think for people especially listening to this show who still can't wrap their head around the idea of someone who is trans. I offer that any type of gender dysphoria or body dysphoria, you know, like if I wake up one day and I look in, and again, this is, this is so not the same thing. I know, please don't get mad at me. This is the best, <laughs> way, this is the best way I can explain what I'm thinking in my head is that like, if I look in the mirror and I'm like, Oh my God, I feel so fat. I look so fat and ugly today. And then somebody else would look at me and be like, no, you're so skinny or whatever. And I could, I, I'm sorry, but throw a rock in a room and you're going to hit someone who has some form of that, that dysphoria right. about themselves. My That's feet right. are too big. My breasts are too small. My penis is too short. My, you know, mm -hmm. I'm too fat. I'm too skinny. I look weird, you know, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. That's right. The brain is a liar a lot. That's right. The people I know who have transitioned fully, the the sense of relief That's that right. they have to finally be in a matching system. Yep. That's, that's, so for people like myself, we want our outside to fit our inside. And that's why I use the word transsexual because today trans, uh, the trans space isn't necessarily about what we used to call passing. Right. And so a lot of times I get, you know, angry people coming at me in the trans community saying I have passing privilege and all, and that the whole point of my transition was to look like and act like a man, whatever that means. And so I think the people you're talking about are the same as me. We, they wanted to look at act as a man or a woman. And that's why I had to have that distinction between trans identity and transitioning to live male or female. These are very important distinctions in this community that has grown so fast and rapid. And so many people are coming onto this space without diagnoses. And now they're saying you don't need gender dysphoria to be trans. So I'm like, but wait, <laughs> what, what does that even mean? I, I, so yeah, they actually say that. They say you don't need gender. Anybody can be trans now. So I'm like, okay, I'm, that's just whatever. I don't even know what that means. 
I can't be a part of that because it doesn't reflect who I am. And it doesn't reflect, that's why I chose the transsexual label now. Interesting. When you were younger and you, when did you have the aha moment where you thought, okay, I'm not a lesbian. I'm actually a gay man. Right. Well, I mean, that's how you identify. Well, no, I don't identify as a gay man. I identify a bisexual man. So oh, okay. I did. I, I, I'm very attracted to men, most definitely. And that happened in my transition. But uh, I've always been attracted to women, too. It just, okay, got uh, it. Yeah, it just happened that I started to see men sexually at, through my transition. And then I started to identify as a bisexual person. But that, that being said, I started really... I've always, I, I forever felt like a dude, whatever that means, right? I always was masculine. I always wanted to have these, I know I have a very masculine father. And so I think I always looked up to him and I wanted, that's why, hence, I'm this whole ultra masculine dude, like hyper masculine. My dad was that guy, you know, and like everything was very, he's a professional football player. We had, you know, it's just that kind of energy. Imagine that energy. So, you know, I always felt this way, even when I, but, but the opportunity to transition wasn't there for me. It wasn't even an option. It wasn't even put on the table by my psychiatrist or my therapist. None of them said I could transition to a man. And it wasn't until I got into my late 20s that I met a therapist who was a gay woman who we both kind of acknowledged that I feel like a man. And she said, well, I don't know what to do, but let's figure it out together. So I never had the option. I always felt like a man. And, I, and eventually I just stopped saying it because all my therapists would be like, well, you're just a very male identified woman. And so that was sort of like what I had to take. And I didn't know. I had no idea that I could be this man until eventually down the road till people started telling me I could do this. And you made the, now this is public knowledge, so I'm not outing anything, but you yeah. had uh, made the decision to not have uh, genitalia re mm -hmm. uh, reassignment. Yeah, that's right. I have, I still have my vagina and yeah. I, I've pretty much put it out there in the world. That's, you know, my pornography, <laughs> that's kind of what really was my shtick <laughs> in pornography. And that's how I built my brand and all of that by being the man with the vagina. And so really I, I chose not to do that because it just wasn't available to me back in the day. And what was available uh, wasn't was something that I really wanted to do. So I chose to learn. I really had to teach myself to love my body, if that makes sense, to really understand that you're stuck with this, dude. Like if you're not going to ever have sex, you got to figure that out. But I like sex too much. And so I had to figure it out. And I did with great, amazing partners and people who are willing to, you know, experiment with me and make me feel comfortable because it was very difficult in the beginning to have sex with something that I didn't feel was very masculine. Now it's like, are you kidding me, man? I, I couldn't even imagine having a penis who I don't want a penis. They're overrated. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I love my vagina. It's awesome. Did you choose to, what about like you, cause you don't have breasts. No, no. I chose to remove my breast because that was easy surgery. Yeah. And I actually, the surgeon just brought back a, sur a, sur a surgery from Belgium at the time called the keyhole, which a lot of people use now. And I, I was his first patient with that. And so it was amazing. And he did a beautiful, gorgeous job. And I felt, you know, for me, it was more about my breasts. They felt the most feminine to me. It wasn't necessarily my vagina. It's because you can see the breasts, right? And yeah, I had to bind. I used to use duct tape and then I would put on like one of those women's sport sports bras and then i put on a you know an undershirt and like every day that's what i had to wear and you know that's much more um, hindering than than my vagina ever was because you can yeah. stick a sock in there and you can you know what i mean and play with that but something about the breasts feel very female to me more than 
my genitals did. Did you carry your son? No, my partner now had the son. When I got together with my partner, she had the son already and I adopted him. Yes. Okay. And so we're really great friends with the biological dad. So we have like a three-way family and me and the biological dad are like best friends. And I'm telling you, I can't even believe it. My life has changed drastically having a kid in my life and, you know, being great friends with the dad. And we just have such a great, you know, you hear those horror stories mm -hmm. of, uh, of, of adopted parents and, you know, other people being involved, but no, we have, it's all about the kid. We're all about the kids. So we don't have any weird stuff happening. What got you into porn? How did that happen? Well, what, it, it's interesting because what happened was I had a partner at the time um, and she was a very prof uh, famous professional dominatrix. And so we we had a dungeon here in L.A. and you know I was learning how to shoot movies and teaching myself how to do all this cool stuff. And, you know, porn has always been instrumental in technology. And, we, you know, porn has always been sort of on the forefront of creating things that eventually the mainstream markets take. And one of those was streaming media. And it was the porn industry that created the webcams and then eventually became all this. So what we see here, this is all first people were pornography. People don't understand that because the porn people are willing to take chances where tech places don't necessarily do that. So long story short, um, I was doing stuff with her and then I just noticed there was nobody. There was trans women porn. That was he, that was called shemale porn and tranny porn and all of that. But I did not see a man like me in pornography. It did not exist. So that'd so be women, women that still have a penis. Yeah. So that'd be yeah. male who become female, but they still have a penis. Right. right. So they would call them chicks with dicks. Right, right, that, right. You know, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that was a huge genre. And then I just, it just clicked like a light bulb went on. I was like, what? There's no man like me in porn. This is insane. And that's what I came up with. Pardon me, but the man with the pussy. <laughs> and like I created you my own. I created my own sort of space. And eventually, like I became a I branded myself and I became huge in the porn industry because I was the only one doing it. And I created the genre of porn of female to male uh, tra uh trans porn 21 years ago. And you know, it just it just skyrocketed me on some level. And from there, you know, I got asked to speak all over the world and I sort of started putting my porn on the back burner because I didn't really want to be doing porn at 80. So I figured that I needed to sort of figure out. I'm sure there's a porn for that, though. Oh, there is. There 100 percent is. And I'm not shaming anybody who wants to do that. No. That's not my space. And I don't want to do that. Plus, I wanted to create a genre. It's not a genre if it's only me. Right. So I opened it up and more trans men started coming along though today it's still not as big as i would like to see and then eventually i started creating sex toys and i created the world's first trans male sex toy and that became a very good market for me to be in and so i, I pretty much think of myself as a sort of sexual wellness uh industry more than pornography and a pioneer i suppose considering yeah yeah, yeah. and again it's not easy being a pioneer it's very difficult did you face a lot of bigotry in the beginning Oh my God, it was insane. People hated me. Like the trans community hated me. The trans men were calling me all kinds of names. Like it was sick. And then the porn industry, people were so mad at me. They're like, that's weird. Yeah. I'm like, it's porn. Are you kidding? Me? What? What's weird about this? You should see some of the stuff you guys shoot. Like what? <laughs> I was the, like, the Germans so are like, we get it. <laughs> that's right. The Japanese, they got it. They became one of my biggest fans. Are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, and it's not. I love pornography. I think it's a very uh, important space. You know, I do think it gets misused, and I do think there are bad pornographers. Like Absolutely, porn. yeah, of course. But I do think porn can be a, a very healthy great uh space for people
Why do you think there is such a genital fixation in the world? Mm. Because of biology on some level, number one. Number two, I think that people are obsessed with um, with this idea that things need to be black and white, if that makes sense. So, you know, here's the penis and the vagina, and that makes you a man or a woman. And this is, you know, what we're going to base everything on, which on some level, yeah, that's true, because I do believe in biology. And I believe that biology is very important for trans people. Because if people didn't know that I was a biological female, I wouldn't not be getting the health care that I need. I'll never be a biological man ever. And my body is not the same as a biological man, nor will it any trans person has to be attached to their biology. You have to. It's extremely important. And so today we're having this pushback on biology and saying that biology is a social construct and things like that. That's a very dangerous space to go into. Oh yeah, it's out there and it's I fight against it constantly. That's why I'm constantly saying I'm a biological female. Ugh, it gets a hard, but I have to, or else people are going to be not understanding, you know, the whole point of being a trans person is your biology. It's, it's your biology. Trans is based on biology. You're born one way. And that's why they're trying to change it to assigned female at birth, as opposed to being born a woman or being born a man. They're, they change the language to assigned. Mm. I'm not assigned anything. I'm actually being born a woman. And I feel insulted by some of that language that comes around. It's insulting to where I come from and who I am. So I think people are just very, they've always been, people forever have been uh, fixated on genitals. I mean, look at art yeah, back in the day, right? It's in, in sculptures and things. I just think because people are also obsessed with sex, but we don't talk about that. We talk about obsession with genitals, but we don't understand those genitals create sex. And so I do think that people are, that's why porn is a billion dollar business that will never go away because people do like sex and they want to see it. And it's a human biological human thing to want to, you know, have sex. I that's think. how the species continues. And of course there are those that's who right. are biologically have genitalia that are not interested in sex at all. Of course, they That's right. That's right. And that's yeah. okay. And that's totally okay. But you cannot take biology off the table. And I, and on some level that's hurting the trans community a lot. It's getting a lot, we're getting a lot of pushback by, by the sort of extreme right and trying to make us look like we're not real and that this is totally fake. And you know what I mean? And, and that's because we're not being honest about ourselves and we're not being honest about our, our, our transition and why we do this and why it needs to be done. Well, I think earlier you made a very good point in that I don't know that anyone would choose to go through. Why would anyone choose to make their life more complicated? That's right. Remember, people used to say you you choose to be gay. People would say that back in the day when we would fight for gay rights. You you don't choose to be gay. You are actually born that way. I was actually born this way, and so by being born this way, and you can talk to my parents. I'll tell you from day one. Buck was Buck. They, they they tell all my girlfriends, everybody I'm around, they're like, dude, like they won't even my my friends won't even ask. My dad was just going, Buck was always a dude. <laughs> my dad is always doing shit like that. But you know, you, you can see that I was always this person, and and it wasn't something that just came all of a sudden out of nowhere. And I think today we're seeing somehow a lot of what well, they're calling it ROGD, which is rapid onset gender dysphoria. And it's very controversial in the trans community because we're seeing a lot of young, especially young females, uh, never showing signs of masculinity, never showing sh signs of wanting to be the other the opposite sex, none of that. And then all of a sudden coming home from school one day and saying they're trans. And this has a lot of us sort of like, wow, what's going on? And they coined the term rapid onset gender dysphoria because it literally came out of nowhere.
I've watched some of the footage of interviews with people that have transitioned and then detransitioned. And one of the things that I noticed that was more common was at least for a female to male transition was a sense that they were not safe in their female bodies. That's right. That's really so tragic to hear that. Tragic. Tragic. Yeah. And that's the truth. I lived as a woman half my life. I didn't feel safe as a woman. I got kicked. I got beat up, constantly got beat up because I was a very masculine butch lesbian who got my ass kicked constantly by people. I mean, I could tell you stories that were insane. And no, I know that feeling, but we can't encourage girls to want to change because they feel unsafe. That's not trans. That's something else. But I, they are saying that a lot of these young girls are transitioning because they think it's easier to be a boy. On some level it is. You're less sexualized. So they put on boy clothes. They start taking hormones. They grow a mustache. They're dudes. But, you know, why then if that's the case, do we have a large population of D-trans, right? That just seems completely insane that there's a group of 28,000 D-transitioners on a Reddit group. That's just unbelievable to me. How many people are uh, transgender? On the D-trans group? No, no. How many people are uh, identifying as trans? Well, yeah, there's hundreds of thousands, millions millions in the world, hundreds. This is just in the United States. So just in the United States on Reddit. So, yeah, I mean, who knows? Some people like me would have never even come out as trans, right? The only reason I come out as trans is because of my work. But I I walk the world every day out there. No one will have a clue about me. And that's the whole point. I want to go to the supermarket without someone looking at me. I just want to be like, hey, who's that weird looking dude? (laughs) Sure. You know what I mean? So, again, you see the difference between myself and the newer generation doesn't necessarily want to pass as men and women and then realizing they're making a state mistake at some point and wanting to you know desist or detrans is is you know they've already grown mustaches and they've already removed their breasts and they've already maybe even had a hysterectomy so they're not even going to be able to move forward and have kids and you know we're gonna mark my words you all come back to this podcast in a couple years there's going to be a large backlash from this and it's sad it's so kids are caught in the middle of this and you you had said a few minutes ago that you know you have been a guy a dude from the get-go right so that's right so uh, there's there's a there's a fighting you know against each other concept just even from you about whether people who think i'm a guy i'm a guy i'm a guy wanting to then live their lives and transition that's right because you you were also that, although, yeah. Yeah. so yeah. how does one know whether they're the one that is that's yes, right. exactly who I am and that's right. I'll change my mind, maybe I won't, but that's I right. feel much more confident being in what I think I'm supposed to so be. So why are those kids detransitioning yet I didn't? It's a good, good question. question. Yeah. Well, I, I, one of the reasons I know is because I have many friends who are detransitioners. I be I befriended them because mm-hmm. the trans community will not befriend them. The trans community ostracizes them and says, "Oh, you're scary. Get away. People are going to use it against us. You know, you're you are never trans. Just being all that not that's not not that's not nice. These are part of our community. These kids are part of our community. Most of them are young kids too. What I mean by that is, you know, twenty year old kids and 16, 17. 
scenes. Some of the, oh my God, I will send you, you will cry reading this stuff. It makes me cry every day because this saved my life. And then when I read that, I'm like, holy shit, like, what is this? So, so, so that being said, the, the, the only thing I can look at that's different than me and them is structure. I actually had a structure. I went through an actual structure where I had to go to two years of therapy. I had to dress and live as Buck for those two years. I did not take medication. I did not have surgery. I did not do anything. I just had to go out in the world and test this out. If it didn't work, I would have gone right back to dressing like the way I did before as a girl and everything would have been hunky-dory. But we're not doing that. We're saying, oh, you say you're trans? Here you go. Literally, go to Planned Parenthood. 45-minute intake. 45-minute intake. And I know this for a fact because I talk to these kids. I don't care about adults. I do yeah. not care. I mean, I do, but you're gonna, adults can make choices and many adults make bad choices. I have too, but that's being an adult. When, we're, when we have children involved, it's my, my, as an elder in this community and as someone who cares and has really had my life saved from this, I care about kids and I don't want them to make this choice in, in the wrong way. And so when you go into Planned Parenthood and they intake you for 45 minutes and then they give you an actual prescription for testosterone, what do you think about that? I think that is unbelievably, first off, unbelievably um, wrong in a medical space. And I find it to be unethical on some level. And are they, it just doesn't, it blows my mind. Do you know how hard it was for me to get testosterone? It used to be so hard. There were pharmacists who wouldn't even give it to me. They were like, no, you don't need this. And I'm like, what? So, so today it's like, why are they just passing this stuff out to these kids who aren't going through any system? They don't even need to have mental health care. As long as you walk in and you say you're trans and you sign a release that says, you know what you're doing. You think an actual 17 year old kid knows what they're doing with no laid down foundation, only their kid, their friends telling them, yeah, dude. I mean, I think kids identify as gay or straight from a really young age. So, and so again, I, I don't feel qualified to to speak to what is, how it feels, obviously, because I'm not in that space and right. I'm not part of the community. Okay, other than that's as, fair. That's as fair. an ally, yes, but not as an actual member of the community. That's so fair. For me, all I can do is, is think, well, okay, I know having watched documentaries and things like that, where uh -huh. these little kids are just like, no, I'm a boy or no mom, I'm a girl or no, I'm straight or I'm gay. Or, you know, I've been around little kids. I've, as again, I, I nannied kids mm -hmm. and there was one couple girls that I nannied and I knew this girl was, you know, three years old. And I was like, she's, when she grows up, I mean, I didn't say anything <laughs> to the parents or anything. I was just like, I knew when she grew up, this girl was going to be a lesbian. I just knew it. And here she is all grown up. She's a lesbian. I yeah. knew it. It was so obvious to me when she was three years old. How would that be? You know? Well, because a hundred percent. And again, I'm going to go back to telling you, I don't think that there's not kid. Of course there are. I mean, that would be ridiculous for me to say that. My point was going to be this. There is no, there is not the same for somebody to identify as a gay person at 10 and then to identify as a trans because a trans person is medicalized. Gay people aren't medicalized. Right. There's nothing that you could say to a gay or, or that could actually come become detrimental from being gay or being straight. That it has nothing to do with anything other than your own mental space, right? Yeah. No, I hear the I hear what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, that the, the fact that in order to transition from one gender to another, it requires some pretty epic, epic. steps. That's right. And, and not only physiologically, but totally mentally, absolutely right. on a psychological 
level. That's right. And so, you th- so, so, you know, of course a 10 year old could be like, I, but the thing is the language is the, also what bothers me. So mm-hmm. I wanted to be a boy. I was like, I want to be a boy. So I never said I want to be trans. So, you know, we have trans, that's why I'm telling, I don't like this label trans kids because that trans could, could be a gay kid. You don't know that just because they're acting masculine doesn't mean that they're actually, but they know the language. Kids know the language because it's all over everything now. It's all over TikTok. Yeah. It's all TikTok. Over- it's very big. Oh, on TikTok. It's yeah. just, it's danger. I'm watching that. I'm watching it like a hawk. And so is the, the hardcore right. And they take all of that shit and they put it out in the world. They're like, look, they're all a bunch of crazy mentally ill weirdos. Cause you see 13 year old kids, 13 with top surgery, literally little girls. Who That's, their- see, to me that for any surgeon to perform surgery like that on unethical unethical. on a child is that has no cancer or anything like that and not even like you said like go out and living into the world before that but to to perform surgeries on children who aren't even fully grown or developed that's that's right that seems beyond yeah i'm not a big fan of that myself and then i can't again i can't begin to understand where that person is coming from but it mm -hmm. seems unethical to perform surgery on someone under like physical surgery hormones can be stopped and revert or whatever but to to start you know tearing apart someone's body and by the way i have that same opinion when it comes to you know parents that let their 14 year old get a nose job or you know or implants me too me too like wow they're not even done your brain's not even done being formed and developing and <laughs> getting to a point until it's what, 23, 24. Yeah, that's right. And when you stop puberty, what do you think is going to happen with that? Or they've already done studies on when kids t- take puberty blockers, their actual intelligence has gone down by a lot because you're stopping brain growth. And so, you know, parents are being pushed into this space by trans activists saying, well, you have to transition your kid if they say that, because if you don't, you know, do you want a dead daughter or an alive son? Who says that? Who says that shit? That that's manipulative and indoctrination. And I won't stand for it. And, you know, you can't talk to a parent. If, if someone said that to me about Jonah, first off, I would be completely looking about how to do this shit. You know, I, I, I would go crazy, but I wouldn't immediately medicalize my child. Here's the deal. Once you give medicine to that child forever, that child is on medicine. <laughs> so, you know, I really work in this space of let's figure it out for a little while and then may, and then medicalize, but it should be your last resort. But we live in a society across the board that goes to give the pill before That's figuring right. out what is causing the thing that needs the pill, right? ADHD, remember ADHD? I mean, huge. they wanted to put me on that stuff and my, my mom wouldn't let them. They're like, let her take apart the toaster and rebuild it. You know? There you go. That's a great parent. Thank you, parent. And that's what a lot He's of a parents- terrible parent, but that was good uh-uh. advice. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm watching. I help. I help a lot of parents. I'm like, calm down. It's not that. Let the kid dress in boy clothes. Send them to school with the Sam. Everyone, all kids are totally malleable. Kids will get it and they'll see. Call him Sam, and everything's cool. But I talk parents a lot out of going that route of medicalization. Also, if your son wants to wear a dress. So be it. It's, it's, so be it. It's just That's a dress. If, if you if you have a problem with that, uh, I dare you to look <laughs> at how men dressed in the 1700s with their That's wigs right. and their high heels and their fancy That's belts right. and their makeup. And, <laughs> and they were hyper masculinized, you know, like yeah, that, was the, that was the height of manhood. That's right. 
the higher the heel, the butcher the dude, you know? That's right. And these are the things we, so you got to, there's a difference between your biological sex and gender. I do believe those are two different things. And, you know, I will never change my biological sex, but on some level I changed my gender and my gender needed to be this person. So, so we need to say the problem is gender. I think on some levels, you know, we have these very rigid rules of gender. Men have to be this way. You can't cry. You can't live in a binary society. Totally do. Yeah. And so, you know, why can't a little boy wear a dress? Why can't a little girl wear pants? So that that's to me where, where, where we made the wrong turn and everybody became trans instead of saying, well, wait a minute, kids can just, okay, all kids play around with gender and nail polish and maybe lipstick and cutting their hair crazy and wearing wigs and all kinds of stuff. And that's very normal behavior. And I don't think we need to rigidly shove them into the space. And you have to remember, trans is a very, very, very small space. It's not as big as everyone's trying to make it be. It's a very, very rare kind of disorder on some level. It's not as huge as, you know, that's why it's different. The identity choice. Remember, you can't forget that. The identity choice is different than actual medical necessity of gender dysphoria. But you will have people that then say, oh, it's a mental illness and people should just be thrown into a a facility then if they think that. Well, I believe it's a mental illness on some level. So that's not true. What it needs to be done is I have a mental disorder and I don't need to be thrown into a medical, into a psychiatric ward. I need to have been given the medication, the surgery to make myself, I proved it. I'm I'm proof of it. And I can show you hundreds of other dudes like me that we prove it. Once we got our medicine, once we got our space in here, we moved in the world. I became very successful. I was not successful as a woman. I'm very successful as a man in my life, in my love life, in my business life and everything. You know, I didn't graduate high school. I was completely called a dummy. You're never going to make anything out of yourself. And then my dad today is like, holy crap, who are you? (laughs) And so that's what I want the world to see. That's why I'm here. I'm here to show you that yes, trans is a real thing. And there are people who need to take this space. But today we have exploded in a way that doesn't reflect who I am. And I need for people to see the difference between some of the stuff that's happening today, which I do believe on some level can be an indoctrination space. And then what's happening in the medical, I speak from the medical space. I don't speak from the uh, sort of more uh, space of identity. What do you think manhood means? Well, that's a question, loaded question that I can't yeah, totally. answer because, you know, for me, it's different than Joe over here. Right. And then Joe yeah. over here, who was born, Uh, A man has a way different experience than me who was born a woman and became a man. And I prefer on some level the fact that I had this experience, though I wish I was born a man. I, I I don't push my female experience away. And a lot of trans people do, but I do not. I accepted the fact that Laura really made me this great man because Laura suffered as a woman and I get to see that suffering. And as a man, I get to bring that empathy and compassion to the world as a man and say, Hey, wait a minute, man, you can't talk to women like that. That's just not cool. Why, why do you, but men are taught that, right? So I, on some level feel like the universe gave me a space to be teach men how to be more male and to be more male doesn't mean you need to be an asshole and be in, in, not compassionate to women, It means you need to be more compassionate. That's to me, masculinity and maleness is being compassionate, loving, you know, walking through the world uh, with a, with the idea that I'm not better than you. Yeah. I asked the question because I know it's a tricky question and doesn't really have an answer, but because I read in one of your interviews that 
you talked about how you were at odds with your vagina and then the day you learned to embrace it, <laughs> it changed everything for you. And I thought that was so fascinating. And again, speaks to the fact that genitalia do not a gender make. That's right. That's right. Clearly look at me. <laughs> so yeah, you're right. That's the other thing. It has nothing to do with my genitals. It has everything to do with my brain. My brain is transsexual. And so my brain needed to sort of be fixed. Because when you walk the world with a brain that says you're male, but your body and your physical space says you're a woman, it's a horrible space to be in because every day people look at you in the way that you wish they wouldn't look at you. And, you know, on some level, I was a pretty girl, you know, I modeled and I was a fashion model. And that was a very difficult space for somebody like me to be in. And, you know, I got called pretty and, you know, hit on all the time by dudes. And I was hated it so much. Much, but I did it. And, you know, I'm now looking at it. I wish I'm glad I had the experience because I see what women on that level deal with on a daily basis and how disgusting men were to me and the things they would try to do to me was so insane. And like, how do you think you get to just do that? But that's that male, really weird man space. Yeah, absolutely. I just burped. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Uh, I, I love a lady that burps. <laughs> talk to me about the sex toy uh, ventures. What, where did that stem into? No well, pun intended. <laughs> right on. So, you know, I, I, I've always used sex toys. They really helped me to connect to my space, to my space. And I love sex toys so much. And, and then, you know, as I, grew into my space and became more of, you know, out there and trans guys reaching out to me. How did you become so comfortable with your vagina? And I couldn't really express it other than the fact that it was masturbation. It was really masturbation that helped me. But a lot of the guys couldn't touch themselves. They just cannot touch their vagina. So I'm thinking, oh, they're missing out on such amazing space because they can't touch it. So I had this idea and I, I remember I brought, I bought this other toy that was made for men and I cut it up and I made it and, and it was a stroke. So, you know, like, uh, a cisgender men have a stroker that goes over their penis and they stroke their, their, their penis with it. So I just said, wait a minute, that's very smart. I'll make this for, because when we take testosterone, our clitorises grow quite large. And so I made something that slips over the clitoris. It has like a little bit of a penis head on it. It's called the buck off. I named it the buck off. <laughs> and it slips over the clitoris and you stroke. You literally stroke like a dude. Oh, my. And I made it very accessible financially. You know, I made it really uh, like 30 bucks or something. And it blew up. It became like one of the fastest selling sex toys in the market. And I think I created that for five years ago and Forbes magazine run. And there was, it was the first ever in the history of sex toys. It, it, it never was there one made before. And um, I couldn't get anybody to make it at first. Nobody would touch it until one company finally said, dude, that's a no brainer. And we just blew it up. And from that point, I just became sort of like a, a sex toy maker. And I just started creating all kinds of cool products for trans guys to packers, things that, you know, mostly they're about, about um, giving, teaching guys to have an orgasm, because I'm going to tell you, there was tons of guys who didn't have orgasms. And I thought, my God, orgasms are like the, the seed of life on some level. And, um, and I so recommend I, them 10 out of 10. <laughs> and I had guys writing me like, I'm, they said, I'm crying right now because I never had an orgasm. I'm 24 years old and you've changed my life. And, you know, uh, that's it. That's all I ever needed to hear because I just said, wow, I did my job. And, you know, now guys are so like much more connected to their bodies sexually and they're not getting bottom surgery and they're keeping their vaginas and they're realizing they can walk the world with these genitals and people will love you and people will marry you. And, you know, you can have a functioning
imagining life that way. Yeah. I mean, that's the truth of it across the board for all of humans is to believe right. that we're enough. That's right. It's a hard space. You know, like it is. I feel very lucky that I'm, you know, almost 60 years old and I feel the happiest I've ever been in my whole life ever. And age, you know, there's a lot of ageism out there. Oh boy, do I see that now? <laughs> the young trans guys sit down, tra- sit down. They call, you know, me trampa. They're sit down, trampa. We'll take it from here. You're old. You're, you're, you seem senile. I'm like, what? Wow. Wow. Who says that to a but every generation believes they're the smartest, right? That's right. So I just, you know, I realize. I remember I used to do that nonsense. And so, you know, there's just, there's, that I have different way of being than them, right? I think differently than they do. And so with that, you know, but I have a large group of guys that, and people that really support my work a lot. You know, I have more yeah. love than hate, most definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Tell people how they might find you. Oh gosh, I'm so accessible. It's kind of scary. <laughs> my partner's like, dude, you're way too accessible because <laughs> I write everybody back. I just feel like it's so important. So uh, buckangel.com, my website, and you can get me on Instagram, buckangel. You can get me on Twitter, buckangel. You can get me on Facebook of uh, buckangel official and YouTube buckangel official too. So yeah. I'm and I'll put links for everyone on heyhumanpodcast.com and they'll be Excellent. able to to get to you quickly. Thank you so much for being open oh, and talking so with sweet. me. Yeah, I really appreciate it. No, I appreciate you a lot. Then thanks to all your listeners for listening. And if anyone wants to talk, you know, just reach out. I appreciate it. Thank you. Absolutely. And, uh, and have a great day. And yeah, you too. We'll we're in a soon. good uh, Santa Ana winds, crazy ass weather out there. But <laughs> I know it's actually weird out. Totally. It's so weird. It's so yeah. weird. Is there going to be an earthquake? I think it's earthquake weather. You know, that's weird. You saw, I felt like that today. I, I was, uh-huh. I thought, God, why does it feel like there's going to be an earthquake? Because it's that kind of weather. I grew up in LA. I'm telling you as a kid, those gnarly earthquakes, I was around all of them. And this is exactly that kind of weather. So yeah. hold on to your hat, my friend. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. Have a, have a great day. Thank you for listening, everybody. I really appreciate it. Bye. Bye. Rate, review, and subscribe to Hey Human on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks. Bye.